My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Man, we, we've just got, we just might as well have some church up in here. Now, I know y'all love me and I love you, so I hate to just have to hit you right off at the bat here, but, but it's time to talk about reality. It's time for me to slap you around just a little bit. Y'all have had it too easy. And so we've done a lot of encouraging, 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 and I'm tired of putting the pacifier in people's mouth. It's time for real church. Now, for several weeks, we've had split congregation. We've had the older crowd in the earlier time, and we've had this crowd at this time. And I've noticed that there is a mega difference between the spirit of the one service and the spirit of the other service. And I've noticed that as far as when the music is playing, there's a great response from this generation because we're a musically inclined generation, whether we can play or sing or not. We're very musically moved and we're very musically saturated. But when the word gets up to preach, you go to sleep. And I know you're waiting for me to entertain you and to start with a real cute story so that you can get engaged and connected and feel like you're a part of the message. But that older generation's been through trial. They've been through drought. They've been through the tambourines where there wasn't great music. Uh-oh. And, and, and now we're just waiting for the preacher to set off some kind of dynamite so that you can get engaged and say, the Lord is in this place. I'm gonna tell you something. When I walked in here, God was in this place because I brought him here. Now, now, here's what I want to convince you of. You've got it. See, that's what aggravates me. It's not that you don't have it and you got to go find it. And that's not what bothers me at all. What bothers me is you got it, honey. But you ain't doing nothing with it. Pray, oh my, 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 my. It's time for this generation to get a hold of more than just the music. It's time for you to connect to the Word of God and say, preach it, preacher. I don't need your entertainment. I need to hear from God in this house. I hope y'all don't mind if I get a little apostolic because I'm not playing games up here today. Now, I read to you this morning what I read in my devotion today, and, but I want to preach from 20 years ago when I was in my devotion, and I wrote in my devotion. I didn't preach this, but I wrote it in my journal, and I've been going back through my journals 
and I've been translating them into the digital world so that I'll keep a digital copy of, uh, of everything. And then uh, I was reading and this scripture just jumped out at me again. And I said, you know, I, I, I've got a, I mean, 20 year old devotion is still good right now because it was deposited in my spirit in the Holy Ghost and it's been percolating. Now I know, oh hallelujah, that the older the wine is, the better it's supposed to be. So that is what you need to understand is that God will never fail you. Mm. His truth endures to all generations. Now what that simply means, that's a Hebraic poetic expression which just simply means that he'll do for you what he did for them if you'll do what they did. He'll do the same thing for you that he's done for every generation before you going all the way back to Bible days whether it's a 20-year-old journal entry or no matter what your situation is, my, my, my. God will Come through. He won't just come through. My, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Now, I'm going to take you to Psalm 31, 1 through 3. And, and here's, here's what I want you to, to capture from this text. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down down thine ear to me, deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock. One translation says, be to me a rock. Be to me the rock for an house of defense to save me. And then he says a remarkable statement in verse three. If you, if you read it too fast, you won't catch it. But it says, for thou art my rock. And my fortress, therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. That's really interesting to me because David prayed, be thou my strong rock, be to me the rock. And then he proclaims with assurance, you are my rock. You are the rock. But well, by the way, since you are the rock, you might as well be what you are to me. And, and he started praying that. And then I asked the question, well, why did David have to pray for God to be what he already is? Why did he have to pray that? Because David had already declared, God, you're the rock. And then now be to me what I know you are. The key is be to me what you already are. David had to release God to be what he already is. And so I want to I show you the seven things that David did to release God to be what he already is. And he wants to be that to you in the house. Now, how many of you want to release God to do for you in this generation what he has done before in generations before? Now, I want you to clear out of your mind that we need something new. We don't need anything new. We need the old gospel. We need the everlasting gospel to be declared and preached in this house. Does anybody want 
the old to become new. <laughs> huh? Well, somebody say something. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't just clap for me. I don't want your little happy clappy. I want some responsive. Somebody say yes. Somebody say, that's right. Come on, somebody shout amen. Because I promise you, Clint, the God that was with D.L. Welch will be with you. Ooh, I, feel, I felt that. Jared, I promise you that the God of Brother Andrew Ocean will be with you. I promise you, Christopher Jordan, that the same God that was with Peter, James, and John will be with you. Don't tell me he's not the same today. I come to say he's the same today. He's the same yesterday. And he's the, will somebody say something? I'm tired of dealing with the clapping generation. I want somebody that can stand up and say something. So, that's what I'm going to preach about, seven things. And, and I listed that out in my journal, but I had not preached those seven things. And so I said, you know what? It's a good time right now because I'm not going to play today. I'm, I'm going to burst some chops. I, I'm going to put some kung fu on you. And, and you're going to know you've been in church today as we peel off all of the layers of the onions and you realize what God is calling you to do. Now listen to me. You've got it. Oh, I feel it right now. You've got it. I'm not just saying that to make you feel good because I'm fixing to pour salt in the wound. I said, you got it. But you got to release God. God has to be released. God, if he doesn't have permission, I mean, there's churches all over this world, but people aren't getting the Holy Ghost in all of those churches because God's not free. God's not permitted to work. There's truth being declared in the earth, but people aren't receiving it because God's not free to speak into their life. They're just not free. They're not open to it. Some of you are not open to the truth, but you've got to free God to be God in your life. And you can't do it just for somebody else. You got to do it for yourself in Jesus' name. Now, if you're with your family and you, and you know they don't have COVID, praise God. Take them by the hand right now. And so if you're not with your family, you don't have to do this. So ignore the deal and God will be fine with that. You're not in disobedience. But if you know, see, somebody's already with me here, huh? And we're going to pray together right now that God's going to give us this revelation and you're going to get these seven things in your life and God's going to use them right now and you're going to start doing everything that I preach right at this very moment because you know you've got it. And, you've got, and God is true to his word every time, not one time, but every time. In the name of Jesus right now, Lord, take this word and minister to our spirit. God, I want this generation to be as powerful as I know they can be because your word is true. Your word is right. Your word is powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. 
And I ask that you administer this word to them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. My purpose this morning is to build a house of defense and a fortress that you can run to and be saved. I want to create a tower of strength, a place of safety, so that you know that you are protected and defended by the Lord. I want you to be saved. I want every one of you to make heaven. I want to shout on streets of gold with you one day. I want you to find your mansion, your place in that heavenly realm serving God just like you're serving God now. I want you to be saved out of all of your troubles right now. Before you get there, I want you to be saved out of your trials. Now, I don't want trials to take you down. I don't want this time of testing to take you down. I want you to be saved through all offenses to where you're not offended any longer. We're preaching to an offended generation. They don't know how to get over their offenses. If they hurt at you, they're still hurt. And they're going to be hurt till the day they draw their last breath. But we don't have to follow the pattern of the culture. They've got Facebook. They can't forget anything because they've got it digitized. They've got it on camera. They've got it to where they'll never let you live it down if they ever catch you on camera doing anything wrong. And yet that's the spirit of this generation. But I say there are some ways you need to learn to let things go. And you got to lay things down and you got to forget things and you got to get into a realm of spirit where you know that you can endure any persecution. You can overcome any tragedy or circumstance. I want you to enjoy being in God's house, but life is not always enjoyable. And I can't promise you prosperity. And I can't promise you that you're going to have everything you ever wanted in this life. But I can promise you an eternal home. I can promise you that God will never change. He will be the same to you that he has been to any generation before us. We serve a God who is a mighty rock and he cannot be moved. He is unmovable. He is unchangeable. He is unalterable. Somebody shout amen. I ain't heard an amen yet except from back there from Hopewell, Missouri. But I need somebody from Pensacola to rise up and say amen. You need to respond to the word of God. You don't need to be just a, a juke and jive and beaten generation that knows how to juke and jive. You need a generation that says, I've heard from God. I know what he said in his word. I've seen God operate in my life, and I know he's never failed me, and he's not going to fail me now. You see, you got to learn how to have joy even when people don't like you. And, and one of the things about the other generation that they did so well that we don't do as well in this younger generation is that they know and don't care whether you like them or not. They know who Jesus is and they're going to be up in the house serving the Lord and they're going to praise God whether you praise him or not. And that's what you've got to do. If people don't like you, you can't help that. You can love them, but you can't help that. You can't slap them. You can't beat them with a baseball bat. There's nothing you can do to change that. So why don't you just come on up in here and smile anyhow? I'm going to have good church. I know you don't like me, but I'm still going to have good church. 
I know right now you just do not like what I'm saying, but I'm going to shout anyhow. I'm not trying to aggravate you. I'm just trying to live for God and seek Jesus be to me what he's always been. Unmovable, unchangeable, unalterable, and unshakable. He's my rock. I said, he's my fortress. He's my defense. He'll defeat you or anybody else that tries to take down the church. You can't take down the truth if you wanted to. So, what are the seven things that David did to release God to be the rock? Here's the first thing, all right? Write this down, if y'all do write. If y'all still know how to write, write this down. Lead me and guide me. Therefore, by thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Here it is. Let me just put that in simple terms. If you're not teachable, he'll never be your rock. You got to remain teachable, growing, and learning every day of your life. If he's got to put a bit in your mouth and turn you every time, then you're in trouble. I don't want God to have to put a bit in my mouth or cause a tragedy or cause COVID to come along to get me to seek the Lord. I want to seek the Lord. And I can say about our church, we were seeking God before that ever happened. And you were forewarned of the things that were coming upon the earth and we prepared for it by developing our rule of five. Can I get somebody to stand up and say amen to that? See, you actually obeyed. Amen. I just want you to know that if you're teachable and somebody can instruct you, now that's what fascinates me about the older generation. Even when I was preaching for J.T. Pugh, one of the greats in Pentecost, and I was preaching for him as just a kid, he had his notebook out and he was taking notes on my message or he was writing down his list, to-do list. I don't know which one it was, but he, I, I asked him, I said, I really did. I asked him, I said, why were you writing during church? I said, I, I wasn't offended by it. I just want to know. He said, brother, I'm taking notes. I can learn from anybody, even a little kid like you. <laughs> See, that's the difference. And you can learn from anybody. You can learn what they don't do. You can learn what not to do. You can learn what you can do, what you can't do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. You ought to be able to learn it. And then you ought to copy it. Listen, if you're going to copy, copy the best. Hallelujah. There's no, there's no copyright infringement in the church. There's no such thing as plagiarism because what has been is and shall be. And what was said needs to be repeated over and over again. You don't need something new. You need to find out God is the rock. And he will be a rock to you, Larry. Who was that masked man? The man who knows who his rock is. God is his rock. And he will be to you everything that the word of God declares. Now listen to me. You got to understand this because if you can't be taught, then you cannot experience what I'm preaching about. You will not find the faithful God that I found as a kid. 
But now notice the next thing. Commit your spirit and your times. And to thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. That's verse 5, verse 15. My times are in thy hands. Deliver me from thy enemies. Now let me tell you why people's attitude gets messed up today. Is because you expected one thing and something else happened and you wanted it done in a certain time and it didn't happen in that time and therefore you're frustrated and you're disillusioned because of that. The older generation has learned patience. God will do exactly what he wants to do when he wants to do it. My job is to stay faithful until. Oh, I'm on it. Now y'all might as well just, come on. Somebody say you own it now. See, this is, this is what's wrong with this generation is because you can't fake God. You can't mask your bad attitude with a good song. You can hide it from me and your mama, but you can't hide it from God. God will put you where he wants you when he wants to and you need to keep praising him until he does. Woo! So I'm just going to praise him. And some of you don't have a good attitude about what I'm preaching, but I'm going to go ahead and preach it anyhow because what I'm telling you is the truth. That's why you can't find your rock. But I just don't know why. You know, we used to sing, I don't know why Jesus loved me. And then you're singing, I don't know why this is happening to me. There's your difference. I was singing, I don't know why Jesus loved me, but I'm so glad. Woo! I'm so glad. Am I entertaining you enough now? Are you engaged enough that you can actually respond to the word of the Lord and say amen to truth? I know I'm I'm messing with your culture, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you will release God, he will prove everything I'm preaching and he'll prove it to the last day you live. He will prove it when you draw your last breath. He will prove it. Amen. Well, it gets rougher as we go along. So that was gravy. I gave you the icing first. We're kind of moving backwards in time. Verse six, you must hate sin. Cannot tolerate sin. Wow. You can't flirt with it. You can't act like it don't make any difference. This is the generation that says, I don't see why I have to do that. I don't have a conviction. Yeah, but the problem is you don't have a conviction about anything. Zero. That's the problem. Because what is in that book, you don't need a conviction. (laughs) I don't need a conviction about being faithful to my wife. The Bible tells me to do that. I'm going to shout on my own sermon since y'all won't. 
I'm gonna, and I'm not just saying you got to shout on a sermon in order to receive it. I, I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand that you've got to allow this word to lead you and guide you. You've got to allow the word to direct your steps. You've got to allow the word to trump the opinion of the polls. And I don't care what your professor says in college. What they're saying is they're lying to you. They're manipulating you. And they're not telling you the truth and they don't want you to find the truth because if you find out the truth, you'll walk out of there and you'll say the whole bunch of it is corrupt and you're exactly right. Wow. My, my, my. You got to hate sin. You got to rebuke sin. Sin is still sin. Adultery is still adultery. Fornication is still fornication. Can I get a witness from the congregation? I know I'm not preaching popular stuff, but you don't get this at Starbucks sipping your latte. You see, the difference between the songs of the last generation and this generation is the last generation while they were singing, they went through some stuff. While they were in pain, they experienced God's supernatural provision. But this generation, if you can't sip your latte at Starbucks, you feel like God has done you wrong. But I used to sing, we don't sing it anymore, God ain't done me nothing but if I don't get what I thought I was supposed to have, if I don't get it in time, I'm still going to have the right attitude and I'm not going to blame the whole world for it. It ain't your fault I can't do what God wants me to do. It's ultimately my responsibility and God's timing. God knows when you're ready. And he knows when you're not. And you have to allow him. He still loves you even if you're not. And he's still going to help you even if you're not. I mean, I, there's been times I wasn't ready. And God denied me. And I got upset. I didn't get upset with you. That was the difference between generations. I got upset with myself. And then found out it wasn't even with myself. I was upset with God. So I did what I've always done. Go to God with it. Okay, God, I'm mad. You have denied me. He says, you're not ready yet. But I am ready. I prepared this, this, and this, and this. He said, you're not ready yet. Your attitude's wrong. I said, I've been working on my attitude all my life. He said, you're going to be working on it for the rest of it. Praise God. <laughs> you're going to be working on it till you die, boy. So you might as well just go ahead and let me tweak it. Mm. Mm. And then as I hear the ringing of the hammer and the nails, some of you don't know what the cross is. But you need to go to the cross. And you need to die to yourself. Your opinions, your ideas that say, God, whatever you want for me, that's what I want. Now, I want you to stand up and say amen to that. Oh, okay. All right. Now, we live in a depressed generation, so here's the next step. I didn't number these. I just listed them out, so I don't know which number I'm on. 
I'm just hoping I'm in the right list here in my notes. Because I know all of you melancholies out there are going to come after me if I don't get to all seven of them and list them in perfect order. Is this fourth? I've, have I done four? I've done three, and I'm on four. All right. Be glad and rejoice in his mercy. That's what the text says in, in Psalm 31. Now, that means, see, here's, here's the difference. And I, I've watched every church that I've been to, church, as an evangelist, that I've seen destroy and self-destruct. They missed this step. They missed it. And if you don't get this right, because you think I mean just be glad. Ooh, I got the Starbucks and got my $6 coffee. I feel great. But what if you don't get your coffee? What if all the coffee beans, they go on strike? What if they get COVID? What, what, what are you going to do then? You're not going to be glad? But you got to rejoice in, in a certain thing. Because if you don't rejoice in what I'm about to tell you, you won't ever be glad. Because if you can't let God be merciful to people you don't like, oh, I told you it was going to be painful. You see, I don't know how you can even shake their hand and even be nice to them. Well, why not? If you think I'm going to be angry for the rest of my life over whatever it is you think they did or did not do, well, I know what they heard or asked, they said last week. Well, let them run their ever-loving mouth. That's not going to take anything away from what God will do. Say whatever you think you're big enough to say, brother, because I promise you, if God wants to put you down, he'll put you down. And if God wants to pick another up, and you got to let God be merciful to people that aggravate you. And you got to get glad about it, because I'll tell you what, listen to me carefully, you're going to need that mercy. And I'm going to tell you right now, church, I need it today. I, I don't just need it yesterday. I need God's mercy today. I recognize I'm poor without it. Brother McKinnis, I'm poor. I, I'm poor without it. I, I'm, I'm poor without this mercy of God because that's the only way I can bless the Lord. That's the only way. You need to learn how to dig down deep and you need to learn how to rejoice in his mercy because God's going to wrap his arms around people and love on people and even if they don't repent, he's going to love them till the day they die because he's not going to let them go to judgment and say, you didn't love me. I wrapped my glory around you and you didn't repent. You're going to be lost forever but you let God make that decision. Quit writing Ichabod on people's life. You're not in charge of that. Quit naming your baby Ichabod because God's glory has not departed yet. The door of mercy. Man, I feel I'm going to shout on this message because you can't be glad unless you got, let God be merciful. There's nothing to shout over unless you let God be merciful. 
Have you ever noticed how unmerciful our world is right now? Now get a hello to this. The media will take out anybody and everybody that disagrees with them based on the very things they themselves are doing. You think all these people that are accusing these other people are walking a straight line of righteousness? Are you kidding me? You're not actually that naive to believe that bombshell, that blonde bombshell on CNN that's telling you all of this junk about everybody is a righteous person. You're just enamored by the camera's ability to capture their beauty. Oh man, did I just wade off into the wrong thing? This is this culture, that's what I'm saying, that's what you're fighting today. I'm gonna tell you, it's not so much that I'm the great speaker of truth, but I do know one thing and I don't know much, but I do know this, this book is truth. You say, why do you say that? Because my Jesus said, thy word. Will somebody hear me? Thy word is truth. Now, everybody in this building might be liars, but that book is true. Let everyone else be a liar and let God be true. Come on, church, rejoice in it. Say something. Say something. Say something. Declare it, decree it, amen it, do something. All right, let's go on. I'm on the fifth one. All right, I forgot to number them. Learn to hide in his presence. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. We live in a generation that wants to get involved in their Facebook arguments. Yeah, I'm going to tell them the what for and I'm going to change the world. No, you're not. Now quit kidding yourself. All, all of you and your 58 followers, you ain't going to change the 58 that's following you because about half of them ain't even looking at it because they don't care. And I'm not, I'm not saying get off Facebook. I'm not preaching against any of that. I'm just simply telling you that the strife of tongues, you're never going to win that battle. And David knew that back in the book of Psalms at 31. You're not going to win the, the strife of tongues and the pride of man. You can't do nothing about it. He said, but I can't hide in the presence. <laughs> How do I teach you to hide? It is presence. I can tell you, generation of people, I can tell you right now, that has been the secret to my deliverance is that I've learned to hide in the presence from the strife of tongues and the pride of men. And it's easy to do that when they're sinners. It's much harder to do it when they're godly men. 
And also, you have a tendency to want to touch the anointed. And you use Facebook and you hide behind COVID and you hide behind different crises that come up in life that's overwhelmed you and you feel like now I'm justified to tell everybody my feelings about all of this. Boy, I wish somebody would just stand up and say amen to that right there. Because that, that'll, that'll, that's a load of power right there. You got to hide in his presence if you've never learned to value the presence. That's the reason why I want you to worship. It has nothing to do with making me feel good. Because I don't, I, it, don't, it, don't, it don't bless or bother me one bit. I've, been, I've preached all over the world. I've had the privilege of preaching in more local churches than most preachers have, will ever be able to see. And I've had that privilege. God's privileged me to do that. And I've preached when they were quiet. I've preached when they couldn't, I couldn't get a word out, a word in edgewise, because they were shouting me ever loving down. I've preached when they looked at me like, as soon as you get done, I'm going to Pizza Hut and ain't nothing you can do about it. And I said, go on, just order me one with mushrooms. Hallelujah. That's why I feel about it. I'm going to shout anyway. Go order me. Go. I'm going to Krispy Kreme. Well, get me a dozen. And if you do, you can just sit there and be mad till I'm done. Praise God. And so I've had to learn how to do that. But if I could show you how to hide in his presence, nothing anybody else does. I don't care who backslides or who dies. It, all my mentors are gone all the people that have loved me and helped me and encouraged me along the way, they're all gone and I'm left alone. No, I'm not alone. Oh, I got you to fool with, but praise God, I got you. Hallelujah. Oh, it's a burden, but you know, I'll carry it. Praise God. Oh, it's heavy, but I'll keep trying. Hallelujah. You know, I love you. But the thing about it is, there's only so much a congregation can do for a preacher. And you got to have people speaking into your life, and they're all gone. All of them are gone to see Jesus. They're not gone backslid, they're dead. Let me make that clear. <laughs> they're gone to see Jesus. That means they're dead. They're in the casket, they're in the grave. And if they come back and talk to me, I'm gone. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm out of here, baby going on to the house or something. But you see, their voice never dies because I wrote their counsel down. That's how I had sense enough and that's why I'm trying to teach you to write it down because when you write it down, my, 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 you, you can go back 20 years and realize what God said 20 years ago. I'm still trucking and it's still true today. And, I, and if the Lord will allow, Brother Dale, I will live another 20. God help everybody. But I'll live another 20. And when I get to that another 20 mark, it'll be just as true then as it is now. Can I get a witness from the congregation? <laughs> Woo, somebody ought to stand up on that and say amen. I'm going to claim that for myself. <laughs> Quit applauding the performance. 
performance isn't going to help you, but getting the truth and applying it will change your life. Boy, I'm running out of time. All right. Y'all said it. Three of you said it, though. There's more than three here. That's not necessarily a majority, but I'll give them to you real quick because there is one I need to get to. The next one is self-explanatory. Which one am I on? Sixth. You must love God. Verse 23. Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. For the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentiful rewardeth the proud. Plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. You know what the bottom line is? I love Jesus. I met Jesus when I was just a kid. And I love Jesus too much to turn back. Sister Duckworth at Provincial, I didn't know her. She was one, a part of another generation, died before I ever got there, never had a chance to meet her. But she taught her Sunday school class faithfully for however many years it was, I don't know. But many of the people I was pastoring, she taught. One of the things she told them said, if you walk away from God, do one thing for me. Go to church. Go to the altar by yourself with no one there and tell God why you're leaving him. Because he's been so good to you that you ought to at least give him the courtesy of telling him why. And if you don't love Jesus enough to worship him when you're going through trials, well, I, I don't know why he hadn't done it. I don't know why he hadn't done it either. I, there's some things I'm praying that hadn't done yet. I don't know why he hadn't done it, but I'm not going to stop praising him. And I haven't stopped loving him. I prayed for good people. I'm talking about Christian people, apostolic people that died in their cancer and in their disease. And I begged God to save them and to heal them. But he didn't do it. But I'm not going to stop shouting. I said, I'm not going to stop praising him. Now here is one of those steps. Which one am I on? I'm on the last one. Oh, wow. Y'all get to go home early. Hallelujah. Here's the last one. You got to learn to retract hasty statements and replace them with words of faith. Verse 22 says it. I said in my haste, I'm cut off from before thine eyes. But nevertheless, you still heard my prayer and the voice of my supplications. When I cried unto thee. <laughs> and how many of you have run your mouth? I told you, I, I should have made this in the order. I should have switched it and said, you love God last so I could end with that one. I just didn't think it through. I was just writing in a journal and I just wrote it down like I wrote it in a journal because God woke me up this morning and said I had to change the message. <laughs> I had another one prepared to do the same thing I'm doing now. And, and you just might as well know now, I'm coming back at you next Sunday because I'm not going to let you, I'm going to do the 11 o'clock. I'm, I'm taking you on as a project. 
You're my new aggravation right here. I'm taking you on as a project because I'm not going to let you go to hell without a fight. And I'm not going to let this COVID and this trial take you down. I am not going to let when I know you got it. If you didn't have it, that'd be something else. But I know you got it. You got it. You got it, church. You got the power. You got the God. You got the rock. Be thou to me. Hallelujah. But I said in my head, how many times will somebody in concluding, just at least, I want you to make heaven. I want to give you a chance to make heaven. Will tell me that you have spoken in haste. And you are saying stuff you didn't know one thing about. Now, here's your problem. Here's your problem. It's not that you did that, because I've done it. Did I, did I lift my hand? I don't want to make heaven, I guess. I'm going to have to lift both hands, because I have spoken in haste. But here's the difference. Here's the difference between my generation and the ones that I'm referring to in the older generation is that the older generation could admit they were wrong. And you're still trying to stand on the fact that what you said is true, and it wasn't true when you said it, and it's not true now. Did y'all just hear what I said? Are y'all just staring at, a, at me like a mule at an old gate? deer and caught in the headlights. See, you still think you're right. The older generation realized, you know what, Brother Kenzie, I may have been wrong. I've had Brother Kilgore, I've had the greats weep and say, you know what, I think I was wrong. I'm going to have to repent over that. And if you can't say that, if you can't retract it's not that you do it because everybody does it. Even the greats did it. They said things in their haste. I'm cut off from before thine eyes. You've said dumb stuff about God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you say some dumb stuff. No, don't do that. You're with your families. You're with your families. Do not do that. Stop. Quit. Right now. Don't even pick. I want you to have a good dinner and I don't want you to be talking about me. Brother Kenzie messed us up. He got the list wrong. <laughs> he ended with the wrong one. I sure did. And God probably had it done on purpose. I, I should have let my wife look at the list. She would have had it right. You need to end with the 23rd verse, not the 22nd, you know. But... Sometimes you don't get the revelation until you get the revelation. I just wrote it as I got the revelation, you see. Sometimes you got to go back and read it. So it's out of order, but that's all right. I'm going to end with the most important statement that you need to hear. You're going to have to learn to retract your statements. Because if you don't, God's not going to bless you. You hear me right now. I said in my haste, I'm cut off from before thine eyes. But I'm still going to cry unto the Lord. And you know what? He's faithful to hear you pray. <laughs> Even though you're saying a bunch of dumb stuff. 
So don't, here, here's another point, and this is the end. Don't stop praying just because you're saying dumb stuff. Keep praying because God said, I'll hear you and I will answer you. You got to, it's like David said, I said, in my haste, all men are liars. And then sometimes you make hasty statements that you've got to retract. And And if you can learn to do that and still rejoice, rejoice in God's mercy, God will bless you and you'll find out He'll be to you a rock, just like he was to that generation. Now, I know we could spend our whole day repenting over all the dumb stuff we've said in the last six months. We really could. But we're not going to do that. Because I know you have received the word today. And I know that I have preached the word of God. And I have obeyed God in what he told me to do. Because this will change you into the person you need to be right now, right now. And you just, all you got to do is commit to want to do it. You don't have to even do it. Just commit that you, I'm going to do that. And God will do it for you. God will step into your life. Uh, I, I had the most unusual experience yesterday. I preached a funeral for Sister Zinda Roy. Some of you don't even know the story, but... Uh, Many years ago, when I first came to Pensacola, I just asked for a list of everybody in the nursing home, and her name was on it, and so I was just going down the list. I didn't know her story, didn't know anything about her. I just walked into her room, and she uh, did not know anybody. She was in a coma, and I just walked into her room, and I felt the presence of the Lord so strong in that room, and I said, man, this is weird. I have never, I mean, I've been around live saints that didn't have this much anointing. Praise God. Breathing saints, they'd run in their mouth saints, you know, and <laughs> not, nobody here. They're all in Alabama, praise God. <laughs> They're all in Alabama. Anybody live in Alabama? Oh, one of you. I'm sorry, brother. Uh, they're, they're in Mississippi. Anybody from Mississippi? I don't know of anybody from Mississippi here. Okay. All right. I felt the presence of the Lord. I told this story. And the nurse walked in to do whatever she was going to do. And I said, do you sense what I'm sensing or am I just freaking and flipping out? She says, no, this is the most powerful room. People will visit. Our workers will come by when they're down. And they will walk in this room and be encouraged when they walk away. And not one word is spoken. But she laid there for 29 years. And the anointing and the presence of the Lord never left her room. I did not know the story other than she had just gotten into church and had a fresh anointing and a fresh touch from God and she had an accident during the surgery and never woke up from the surgery. But Sister Lois Waldman in preparation for the funeral sent me a story that she said three days before that surgery and that accident, she said, God visited me all day long and wrapped me like a blanket and I danced and shouted and spoke in tongues for eight hours. And she said, what did I do to deserve a visit from God for a whole day? She went to sleep in surgery and never woke up. And for 29 years, God was faithful. 
every day, every time I've ever gone into her room, the presence of the Lord was the same, whether it was day or night. And you're not going to tell me that he's not a rock. You're not going to tell me your circumstance is bigger than hers. She's with Jesus now. I said, she's with Jesus now. But I'm going to tell you, that testimony lives on. And you better believe God will be with you just like he was with Zinda. Her name means life and alive. And I want you to be alive, not just existing. Some of you look like you did not have your coffee today. Bless your heart. I'm so sorry that you didn't have your little coffee. But you better stand up right now. And you had better make your commitment to do all seven of these things. I think I got to all seven of them. Did I miss one? Did I get them? Are you melancholies? Did I get them? I got them. Okay. I heard four. We only have four melancholies. You didn't want to reveal yourself. I understand. We know anyway, so you can might as well reveal it. Be honest with it, because we certainly know what personality type you are. But we love you anyway. Don't make any difference who you are, what your circumstances are. This list is true for everyone. Church. I've tried to live it. (laughs) Have I done perfect in all of these seven things? Absolutely not. Has God had to beat the fire out of me? Yes, indeed. Has God had to even arrange circumstance to beat the fire out of me? Yes. Has God had to allow me to trip up on things that I did not see? Yes. But he's been faithful to bring me through every single thing. And guess what? He will be to you what he has been to me and to your fathers and your mothers. And I'm talking about spiritual ones now. I'm talking about the people that influence you to be saved. Think back on all those people that influenced you to be saved, whoever they might be. Call them by name if you want to. Give them honor and bless them. Now God's promised in two words, he will deliver us and he will be to us a rock. Now that's his promise to you. Now you have to respond to that. Now we have a limited altar service now because of all the things that are going on and We want you to be as safe as possible. But if you've got a special need and you would like to come before the Lord and you would like to walk up here, I want you to come before the Lord and I want you to connect with your families and just your families if you would. And people that uh, are with you that you know are are free of the virus and all of that. But if you, I want you to come up here if you feel like a special need that you want us to pray with you over whatever it might be. I want you to come and I want you to stand in the front and we'll pray with you. I want to limit the amount of people that can come. So 
we, we only take the special needs, but if you've got a need, you need the Holy Ghost, you need deliverance, you need God to set you free from your habits. Whatever you need, I want you to come. I want you to stand before the Lord. Connect with your families if you would, and let's pray together in the name of Jesus that the Spirit of the Lord would minister through you. You're more powerful than you realize. God can use you more greatly than you realize. You may not feel like you're an equal to a mentor or a great person, and you don't have to be equal to anybody. You just have to have, you got to know who your rock is. You don't need to worry about all of that other stuff. You need to just let Jesus be to you what he's been to everyone. And he promised through tongues and interpretation he would provide and he would be the rock. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.